We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. Tonight we're looking at the Night Stalker episode, Into Night. It's late at night, and two office workers are burning the midnight oil working on an actuarial presentation. The man expresses his gratitude to his co-worker that has worked so hard to help him. She, in return, suggests they go for a drink. Could this be the start of something? If we cared, we'll never know, because they hear the sound of someone in the deserted building. Soon, they are both dead, mummified. Perry awakens to the morning papers, where she discovers that Kolchak has a front-page story on the murders. Except her contact on the story at the police department says it wasn't a murder. Kolchak claims to have a source. A confidential source. She reminds him that last time he had a confidential source, it turned out it was just him. He takes her to the crime scene, where they break in and see that there is evidence of a third person in the room. They also discover a strange gel on the floor, which Kolchak foolishly touches and burns his finger. The next night, another office worker is killed. This time, he makes a run for it, reaching the elevator before his pursuer. Partway down, the elevator stops, and the man is killed, mummified, like the others. If there's a lesson to be learned from this episode, it is that while Perry sleeps, news happens, as she awakes to another Kolchak byline about the third murder. Her police contact extorts a date from her to get the real story, according to the police. That story, the illegal use of diazinon, a pesticide only suitable for outside use, has been illegally used in both office buildings. Perry demands to know Kolchak's source, and so he takes her to the morgue where they meet his source, who gives them more information. All victims had abrasions on their necks, but they weren't strangled. Also, He's found the gel-like substance on one of the victim's necks and has obtained a sample for Kolchak. This time, Kolchak doesn't stick his finger in it, but instead, they take it to a chemist for analysis. It's a highly active synthetic astringent, which leads Kolchak to leap to the conclusion that the killer must be able to extreat this substance from his hands and then suck the water out of his victims. Perry thinks that's a bit of a stretch. Another night, another victim. This time, the victim survives. Why? They surmise it is because he's an alcoholic and has diminished electrolytes and magnesium, apparently what the killer needs to survive. Okay, when I say they survive, I mean Kolchak pulls that out of his butt. Perry rightly asks why the killer can't just drink Gatorade and take magnesium supplements. Jane's pictures of the crime scene produce results. They find a security person at all the scenes. Investigating him in his creepy lair, which they break into at night, they discover more corpses. They have a run-in, and Kolchak gets the killer on the run. Cornered, he nearly kills Kolchak, then leaps from a bridge onto a passing truck. He escapes. In the aftermath of the killings, Perry and Jane reveal to Kolchak that one, just one, of the mummified victims had the strange mark on her wrist. A mark was not there before her death. The mystery continues to deepen. Oh! Okay, in tonight, in tonight. What is your what are your first thoughts on this episode? It kind of in tonight. It's night, night stalker. There's there's something about this that feels like this is Spotnet's love letter to the original Kolchak series. It seems almost closer than any of the other episodes in terms of following that format of having a kind of uh, human or humanoid killer and a kind of gruesome way of uh, getting rid of the victims and Kolchak leaping to utterly um, <laughs> extraordinary conclusions without any uh, apparent evidence and, or precedent um, <laughs> or, yeah and, and, a, and a kind of a, a, a big emphasis on the the horror which I kind of feel like is the real weak point of this story because horror when it's when it doesn't work, really doesn't work, and when it it feels like what you've got in this, and I I you know I don't know whether this is the director just sort of going through the motions or whatever, but it feels like it is just the kind of um, color by numbers version of doing horror. You know, the kind of slowly opening elevated doors, or the getting into a car with a spooky stranger, or 
all of that and the the various kinds of shots you're kind of hammering it up but it it never quite delivers for me at any rate huh. well you know i hadn't i hadn't i hadn't placed that as a spot in its homage or love letter to the original series but i did have some notes and i guess we can we can do them out of order um about this episode and i particularly the scene where kolchak is telling perry we need to go into this place and investigate this and she's like call the police call the police he's like no they're not what are they gonna do they don't believe us they're not gonna do anything we have to stop this guy before he kills again so there is exactly what we see in the original series the kolchak feels he has to stop it and yeah it, yeah and and and, and it would be Vincenzo sort of telling him to stop doing whatever he is. So Perry's sort of filling that Vincenzo role in this case. Yeah. But it's Kolchak who's taking these kinds of uh, extreme risks and ignoring uh, police procedures and dismissing the police. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> I don't know if you remember, but in the pilot, at the end of the pilot... Kolchak is giving his little monologue and he's talking about there are these strange deaths and whatnot going on. It's a mystery in the night and I don't know what I'm talking about and <laughs> whatnot. And they're showing deaths, strange deaths of people that uh-huh. weren't in that episode. Yes, they were this episode. Oh. There was like the two mummies up against the glass window hugging. And I don't oh, know okay. if, I don't remember if there are others, but that one's the Weird. one that really comes to mind. So this episode was shot obviously, when the pilot was done. And I was wondering if you had noticed that this felt very, very much like the second episode. The way Perry's attitude is, her references to Kolchak's source. Last time, your I, source was yourself, and that, that was the pilot that she's talking about. Good grief. His okay, ob- no. Well, I, I, I tell you what I, got, what I got and what I didn't get. And what I, what I didn't get was that it felt like the second episode, because that just didn't occur to me. What I did note here... Is it's like the the Perry Kolchak relationship has taken a step back from where we were in the two parter, mm-hmm. and um, and obviously we we kind of felt that things had moved up, moved on, things were improving in that double episode, and here it feels like they've been reset somewhat. Yes, but that would be entirely consistent with what you're saying that it is it is kind of basically an episode two. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's a production order or if it's two, but it's obviously very early or they wouldn't have been able to include scenes in episode one. The other the other thing from what you've just said that I made a note of, but possibly based on uh, an erroneous assumption, though not an unforgivable one given the airing order, was that when Perry was talking about last time Kolchak had a source, well, last time Kolchak had a source, we were watching it, it was... In the source slash the sea, what yep. was the titular, the source of the source. And we were speculating that maybe the source was in Kolchak's mind, in, in that, you know, the phone hadn't actually rung and he okay. just Im- imagined it ringing and possibly someone had put it in his head. But my conclusion from Perry's line in this was okay, Perry's concluded that as well. I don't think there was any clear sense that that was what she had concluded in the last episode but it right. would have been understandable so that was but it it, it was in enough of a kind of a step forward from where from where her reasoning was last time for me to make a note of it but it it might be nothing to do with the last episode you're saying i think not i think not i think this is oh, i think strange. this is the second the second up because you're right they're they're you don't trust me that's Kolchak to Perry. You don't trust me, do you? And and no, I don't trust you. And you come up with this stuff. It, it Everything feels right back to the beginning. Jane's part is drastically reduced. Um, you know, Perry's competitive with Kolchak, but at the same time, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't trust him. She's still very much willing to take whatever the police have to feed her, even if she has to prostitute herself uh, with dinner dates to get the information. Um <sighs> Uh, you know, it, it's, um, yeah, it, it, and I don't know that I, I don't know that I picked up on that the first time I watched through this episode, but, you know, remembering fits, that. I think it fits. When yeah. you, when you look at it, and so, for example, you look at Vincenzo in this episode. Now, he's very much down on Kolchak and what Kolchak has written. Mm-hmm. And 
that could be consistent that could be perfectly consistent with an episode eight in the sense that you know the editor's job is to chew out the journalist who brings him something that is ill-researched or not backed up by the evidence and he could have been praising him to high heaven yesterday or he could have been working closely with him as they were on the the story that they all believed in despite the pressure from above but you do it on a story by story basis and if Kolchak brings him something substandard yes he's going to chew him out so that wouldn't stand out to me as this has taken a step backwards but if you stuck that in as episode two in the sequence it would also be perfectly logical because Kolchak has done nothing to prove himself at this point and Vincenzo is extremely dismissive and that fits too yeah, and it, but it's still it's still good, Vincenzo. Bring me something I can print. Mm-hmm. And it's also you know they're they're talking about this murder. Vincenzo is running with it. You know, even though he's not. Well, I mean, Perry hasn't actually gone to him and said eh, the police say this is not a murder. I mean, they're they're working it like it's a major story. Vincenzo's on it, and when they get to that third victim and Kolchak has his epiphany it's like what we need to find out is why that third victim or the fourth victim technically wasn't didn't die and you know vincenzo's standing there and all he says to him is i can hold the front page two hours yeah and i mean best bit in the episode yeah um and that you just like there you go here's the guy he's gonna bag his reporters if they can do it in two hours if they're great if they can't we're gonna go with what we got and that's exactly what he has to do but he he can smell the story and he can, he can, you know, he can make it work because that's his job. So another question that I have about the order then in this episode is, and who knows, maybe it wasn't the second episode. Maybe it was the third or, or well, something. Well, the second episode kind of makes sense because you think Spotnitz is showrunner. He might well write the first and second episodes mm-hmm. in order to set the tone. And Into He's, Night, the title. Into Night, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and kind of setting up how how you could write the night with the you know the 2005 night stalker as a, a kind of updated version of 1975 kolchak i think i'm not sure i'm looking at the titles here and when we were talking about the source and the sea i believe that i mentioned that i thought so boy am i wanting that that that's the first reference to the marks on the wrists since the pilot uh-huh and it seemed like an awfully long time to go about something that seemed to be Kolchak's crusade. Yeah. And here is the mark on the wrist showing up. It seems to me like they should have found a mark on someone's wrist before the sea and before the source. That that would have made more sense to deepening the mystery for Perry and Jane. Yeah. As if, oh my gosh, here it is. And it's a really weird one because all these victims, only one has it. So it's not like this killer is the cause of that. It's like this is something, there's something else that causes it to show up in something like, in a case like this. And I, and I feel like that's a missed opportunity that should have been somewhere in the show prior to the sea and the source. Because it would have just made you think, well, this can happen in other instances as well. But Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> also, also, thinking back, I, I can't remember, I can't remember what we actually said about this how 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 much i i'm sure it was it, profound <laughs> the five people you meet in hell yes did we discuss whether or not that felt like an episode two because my recollection of it whatever we actually said was it wasn't particularly episode two-ish i'll i'll concur that i think you did say something to the um to the effect of that it was not it was because it was disparate from the the way the first episode went, mm-hmm. that it didn't give you a feel for what this Kolchak is about. I remember yeah. that, and then I think that may have even carried on into the third episode, where so it I was just like if... we're, we're just not really getting a, a flow or a feel. So yeah, I wonder how it would feel watching a sequence through the pilot, this episode in tonight, and then the five people you meet in hell. Whether that would make it seem like there was a a, a more coherent light because everything you're saying to me just makes so much sense so the question is why did they not show this episode second i mean sometimes a tv sh- series will hold an episode because it's bad 
You know, they 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 make eight. Well, it's not episodes. great. No, well, you know, they make eight but episodes. Then I don't think or so, the five and then people they... you meet in hell was good. Fair enough. Um, is it? But it may it... it may have scored more highly with an audience. It had it had the kind of the serial killer thing and the you know Rob Bowman directing and it was better put together. I don't think there's any doubt about that. It was probably flashier. Yeah, and it was um, it was more gruesome in a way. Yeah, I mean, the, the 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 baseball bat murder in particular at the beginning was really. Um, you know, it wasn't quite up to the wasn't quite up to the level of the episode of the X Files with the inbred mutants, uh-huh. <laughs> which was you know the peak to me and to many people of of just absolute brutal gruesomeness in the series. Uh, but you know, it was it was definitely it would it, it would it catch stood people's out. attention. Yes, yeah, which is probably what they were aiming at for episode two in a way that this episode would have felt more like a. We're just we're we're slow build starting to get the show established, kind of. Okay, so now here's another one that's a possibility because we're totally speculating here. <laughs> um, in addition to this being more like an old school Kolchak episode, I also feel this is more like an X Files episode. There's more of Kolchak yeah. pulling pulling a molder and just coming up with the, you know, the crazy solution out of his fervid mind, and there's also the kind of here we have, let's call him a water vampire, for, for want of a better word, right? Classic Kolchak formula. But he's not supernatural. He's a mutant or something. So that's more like the uh, X-Files takes on classic monsters in, in the original yeah. series. And so that could be, I could see them putting this episode down and going, you know, Frank, we, we don't want everyone just to be going, this is an X-Files copy. Maybe that's not the right one to go with first. I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. I couldn't find anything about it. I couldn't even find a list of by production order uh, on it. But, but it, definitely, it definitely raises a bunch of questions as to why this episode didn't come earlier in the series run. Um, and and I, I don't know if you've ever encountered this. Um, I'll, I'll complain about this. <laughs> all the time a lot of times a tv series will make a pilot i'm sure we've talked about this they'll make a pilot that never airs yeah and you know because the studio goes well i don't like these two people or you know their their dynamic doesn't work right or whatever retool it and we'll go to series and they go to series and then they run a little bit behind in production and they go well we're gonna have to air the pilot and they throw the pilot out there and it just feels so wrong when you hit it because of all the episode six yeah so you just kind of go what? Why are they? You know, why are their clothes different? Or, or why is it? Why is it shot on a different uh, film format? That kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, you just you see it and you go, well, this doesn't this doesn't make any sense at all. <clears throat> this obviously wasn't meant to be the pilot, but it it has that same effect by by getting the whole dynamic going weirdly. It's it, yes, it is the dynamic. It's uh, it, it like I say, it didn't kind of occur to me that it was out of order. It more seemed to me like the relationship was being written wrong and you know the 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 rivalry had taken a step back and 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 i i think your explanation makes a lot more sense especially as when i checked who was writing it it was like you know maybe maybe the issue here is that whoever whoever this week's writer is 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 out of step with the spotnet's plan for (laughs) the character development i looked who it was and so that didn't make any sense it's like wait yeah that doesn't make any sense and it it, well it's the man himself so so why everyone he, else has been out that? of step. Yeah. Well, didn't Spotnitz write the the C in the source as well? He did. He did. Which again, I think, is an argument why it. You know, like I say, it would make sense to have episode two as well as episode one written by the showrunner, setting the setting the tone, establishing the show. It makes sense for the big two parter driving the arc forward to be written by the showrunner. It doesn't particularly make sense for the monster of the week that immediately follows a two-part spotnets to be another spotnets. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. Okay, uh, let's take a look at what I've got here. Um, in uh, Do we feel out of character in the... Again, we're talking about throwing them out, the breaking into the crime scene and, and convincing Perry to go along with him. Does that seem like a... Seem on well, it's, par it's, with him? It, it seems like a Darren McGavin move. <laughs> It's one of those things where I thought... Mm. Again, Kolchak is supposed to be obsessive and Kolchak is supposed to be 
driven by this mystery and and it shows because he's up all night apparently all the time searching the darkness in this in this episode is perry that easily led or is it is it her new nose for news that makes her go along? I couldn't quite figure out why she was willing to go along to the crime scene. Even when she points out, hey, this is a felony for breaking the scene, and yet still she goes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It was it felt like it was uh trying well, it was it was testing her character in a couple of ways. But one thing is she's like she's established well, in this episode I'm now I can't help thinking about it as other than episode two. <laughs> But it's like the character of Perry is, oh, I don't think, you know, I don't think we should sneak in or, you know, whereas I'm thinking, hang on a minute, you're a journalist, your job is sneaking in. But then when it comes to now, I think we shouldn't cross the police tape on into the crime scene because that's a felony. And you can think, you know, there's there's both journalistic ethics and there's also serious consequences if you're caught at it. You think, yep, that makes sense. But if you believe that, why do you give in? So she's established being both timid and easily led. Yes. And and why, if they're done examining the evidence, why hadn't they just taken the tape down and cleaned it up? As Kolchak said, they're all done with the evidence here. So. Well, do we want to come on to um, the police and their uh, general approach to uh, to these crimes? Here's another question. Isn't Here's another observation. Well, yes, we can talk about the police. Do we ever see the police in this episode? There is no human manifestation of the police in this episode, I don't believe. There's a voice on the phone. Didn't we have that in, an, in another episode? We did. We did. The one with the, the three kids um, um, committing the ritual. and Three? Yeah, I think that's the name. Three. Yeah. No police. They'd be at the crime scene. No police. There was... Yeah, we did. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, well, maybe, maybe, now I'm, now I'm rethinking the whole order of this, maybe three given its title, suggests it might be episode three. <laughs> I, I don't know. That that will be interesting to see if we can figure out a way to find out what the production order of those was. I'll just tweet Spotnitz. I'm sure he's out there. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any production codes in the credits of the show or anything like that? That would. I haven't looked, gone that deep to look, and that's a possibility. There might be. No, I'll, I'll give that a I'll give that a, a gander today and and report back if we if I find anything in the production codes if I find any I production I codes. don't see, I don't see a production code in the credits no it's going to take a bit more detective work than that well, we should get Kolchak on this I know that well, maybe maybe listeners know <laughs> that's possible <laughs> that's possible anybody anyone out there ever seen this show <laughs> based on the ratings no 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 anyone involved in making it. That's true. That's true. Um, it might be a higher chance. Probably more people made it than watched it. Oh, that's possible. Oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> Cruel. It is. Uh, okay, police. What do you want to say about the police? So, um, well, one of, one of the interesting things about this story that I became a little bit excited about at the start of the episode, uh, this ebbed away, but was um, obviously you got the kind of night prologue going on with this. And then you got the, the kind of after the credits, the, the, all the nice dawn imagery. Oh yeah, that was nice. And uh, and I thought, oh, this this is interesting. Is this going to be uh, night followed by the day after, and and it's going to be entirely told in one day? And and then of course we go jump straight to the next night and um, the second victim, and then the the dawn imagery gets repeated, and there's a. You know, we see Perry waking up again. So there's a kind of rhythm being built up. And you think, ah, OK, this is, uh, you know, they, they're using repetition to structure this around. We're going to see it over a number of days, sort of Groundhog Day-ish uh, feel to it. And that ended up not leading anywhere. But I wondered what the hell was going on because it seemed to create all sorts of strange anomalies in the way that the police operate, which is my main point here, which is... Day one, and, and and we can be sure it's day one because of this, you know, day one, day two kind of structure. Mm-hmm. Day one, the police are absolutely, or at least Perry's police contact, but you assume it's it goes wider than that, is that they are absolutely convinced that these deaths are an accident and not deliberate. Mm-hmm. These deaths, they say, or Perry says they say, are due to them due to the victims being exposed to some unidentified toxin. 
Yep. So the police don't know what it was that killed them at this point, and therefore presumably don't know, because they know nothing about the toxin, they don't know where it was sourced, where it came from, anything like this, and they're convinced that it's not deliberate. Or at least they're convinced that they want to tell her that it's but, an accident. And and this raises a, a, a sure, weird Sure, but it's point. like 12 hours after the deaths. They're, those cops, because they're faceless, there's, there's no face of the police here in this episode. We have, do you remember our, I'm not, I'm, I am definitely not trying to compare this in any way, shape or form to ultraviolet, except for one <laughs> of the discussion points we made was that in ultraviolet, we never ever see two vampires talk to each other. We never see anything uh-huh. other than the facade they want us to see. They want humans to see. And, and we have reason to believe it's, could be entirely a lie, that everything they say may be false. We don't know, mm-hmm. because we never mm-hmm. get that narrative structure of seeing what's going on the, with, with them. We never get to see what the police are doing. Are they sitting around going, geez, Bob, look, I found this incredibly powerful astringent when the lab analyzed it down, and we can't have people running around panicking about that. It could be a water vampire. And then they go, yeah, better put out a, <laughs> better put out a story about it being a, a, a toxin. Yeah, okay, good. Toxin. Everyone on the same page. Got it? Toxin. I, it, you know, we don't know if it's a cover-up. We don't know if they're incompetent. We don't know if they haven't done anything. We don't know why they've ignored the extra footprints in there. You know, I mean, they have a plausible sort of ex- explanation, but, but on the other hand, they, they don't. And yeah. So, I mean, if, if you credit, then, this episode in the way it's written as being, uh, as creating this constructive ambiguity around the police and and what they're doing there's still a problem with that because perry is absolutely swallowing this line mm-hmm. whereas to me it seems utterly extraordinary i mean if if the police if i was a, if i was a crime reporter and the police were telling me just a few hours after the death that they're convinced it's an accident i would be Okay, so what's the evidence that it's an accident? Well, it was an unidentified toxin. Okay, but how do you know that's an accident? Well, we don't know anything about it because it's unidentified. And it's as absurd as Kolchak being sure it's a murder based on no evidence, except, of course, Kolchak actually does have a source. So he's one up in this. Hold on a second, though. The police are right. I mean, as far as it goes. As far as it goes, these people died because they came in contact with an unknown all right toxin yeah, maybe yeah. the wrong no, that, word they're right as far as that goes that's exactly what killed them it's how they got exposed that they haven't made any comment about so they, they haven't actually said no, they haven't they haven't not made any comment about it if it's an unidentified toxin how do you know it's not murder or terrorism or that it's explicit that it's not deliberate but it seems to me that that's more than likely i i guess i mean i'm i'm not because because later police, even but... you you mentioned the name of whatever the thing is but it's i, I didn't make a note of it but it's a it's a, a powerful pesticide that quote oh, diazinon yeah. is is for outdoor use only okay so um so it's a it's a pesticide for outdoor use that has been found on these two corpses indoors so, if you were going to murder someone, and there was a very there was a there was a pesticide that was available for outdoor use, so you would be able to get hold of it, but that if you exposed people to it indoors, it would kill them. That's quite a handy little murder weapon. That's quite a Surely handy little lie to... too, because that's not how diazinon work. It's a real thing. Okay, <laughs> I'm not familiar with it. I don't use a great many pesticides. It's it's not. I mean, so what do we know about it? Um, well, I think, I think diazinon may be, uh, now may be a banned pesticide. Um, I think it's, I think it's even, okay. uh, so you know, they, it's, so it's, when they there say is some it's... issues that it, it, with diazinon safety, but you know, it doesn't mummify people. And, you know, <laughs> the police of course are lying about it because they're saying we found out that diazinon was being used illegally in those two buildings by the pest company for the last six months. So this is some effect that has taken months and then only does it. So at that point, then the police story is getting, you know, completely ridiculous there. I, I, the first one, you know, we're not saying it's a homicide. I, I don't... They're not, they're not 
they're not not saying it's a homicide. Excuse my double negatives. They are saying it's not a homicide. Did in, they? in other words, that they, they are being they are being they're being categorical about what it isn't, rather than not being categorical about what it is. Are, did they? I mean, we never heard the police say that. We just heard Perry. Well, we hear what Perry says. Yeah, we just say Perry says it's not a murder. They think they were just exposed to some toxin, which you know, okay, could be. Could, could be, be murder. Uh, could be murder. Absolutely could be murder. Um, I guess, you know, that's a wait and see kind of position. But yeah. Yeah. So it's it would be wait and see. And it would be the police and, you know, maybe Perry would would then be thinking, well, OK, there's a there's a there's a question there. And Kolchak here has a source that says it is murder. So the police evidence saying maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Let's have a look at what Kolchak's source says about this and see if there's anything that might stack up either way. And I, you know, but of course, not where they go. Of course, the police have that evidence because we later learn that, that, that the quote unquote evidence that they were attacked was the strangulation, even though they weren't strangled, it's the abrasions on the throat. So something grabbed them by the throat. That's not the behavior of a toxin. Indeed. And the police would know that from their, um, from their, because that's, he got it from the morgue and they would have gone straight to the cops with that information first. So, yeah. Indeed. And and while we're talking about the coroner, on the on the second day, another thing that Perry comes out, it's why didn't the coroner rule that it was homicide? Now, okay, maybe maybe your coroners are different from our coroners because a lot of these systems do seem to work quite differently on either side of the pond. But is it really normal? that there is an inquest within 24 hours of a death? I don't even think we have inquests. So That's very the, rare, to my knowledge. I mean, it, it, within a month would be fast for us before there is an official pronouncement on the cause of death from a coroner. Yeah, I think you might get an initial, coroner's initial well, report. But but that's not... What, what she says is the coroner rules. Hmm. So what, what, at what point does the coroner normally make a ruling? Is it... Is it really that fast? I need to watch more episodes of Quincy, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall. It seems to me like he'd spend weeks investigating one before he would... Because, uh, of course, he was solving the murder, too, because that's what coroners do in the United States. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You, I, I, I mean, you, you'd, have to, you'd have to get all of your information very fast to be able to make these rulings. I, I can't see... What more do you want? I can't, I can't see what, what help it is, because... I mean, it's not, it's not in order to help the police. That would be the cart before the horse. The police investigation is supposed to inform... I mean, it's not like you wouldn't share what you have discovered from an examination of the bodies, but you wouldn't move to a ruling about the cause of death. So that's, you know, that's an interesting hmm. question. And, and uh, you know, many instances I've watched British television, and I know that's not, you know, not the way to go, but coroner's inquest seems to be pretty common staple of the murder mystery genre uh, in britain and it is not here and my feel from watching american television and again these are both you know the not reality of the world this is the american tv reality versus the british tv reality is that the coroner's job is to support the police not the police to support the coroner okay i mean that that's the feel that you know the coroner is forensic evidence for the police. If a body goes to the coroner, let's say it's not a crime. Let's just say there's a body found and then, well, it's, you know, they pick them up and ship them in and the coroner has reason. You know, the police could give them reason to do an autopsy or the coroner might see something that makes them do something and then they would turn it over to the police for further investigation or, or prosecution. So they're so, more of a forensic um, unit, I think. Okay, well, I, I, guess, I guess this, again, may be... Um, I, I'm not appreciating the great uh, range and variety that you have through your federal system. Um, yeah, no, no, that would be federal. That would all be local. Well, counties. Well, no, no. What I mean is because because you are a federated country, your states have their own peculiarities, and so <laughs> when I learn how things work in the U.S. from, so let's say, homicide, life on the street. There is a medical examiner mm -hmm. who sounds like they're doing the job you've just described in relation to the police work. Right. But maybe that's because 
that's how things are in Baltimore, and this is how things are in Los Angeles. That's not impossible. That's not impossible. Of course, everything... So, you know, a weird quirk of American television is, of course, that it's all shot in Los Angeles. So, <laughs> you know, here's, here's one that, that um, I learned the other day that just fascinated the heck out of me. In the United States, when we put in our phone system, there were... Um, if you ever see it in an old American TV show, if somebody leaves the receiver off the hook, it it behaves in a certain way about blocking. But that's actually not the way it works in most of the United States. But it's how everybody think it thinks it works <laughs> because every TV show ever where somebody knocks the phone off from the 50s on worked the way that the Los Angeles phone system worked because that's what the writers were all <laughs> dealing with. And those yeah. things happen. So, you know. This could be the way the medical examiner works in Los Angeles County and nowhere else in the United States. I don't think that's the case, but, you know, but it, it, remember, it is all based there. And if they pretend they're in Philadelphia, they're just pretending they're in Philadelphia. They're, they're doing it. Anyway. <laughs> well, yes, I mean, I do understand that. Um, and, I, and I kind of feel like my point stands that it seems awfully fast yes. to have turn, turn things around. So uh, I'll, I'll go fair there. Fair call on that one. Um, <laughs> um, what, what do we think about the police demanding drinks with Perry to get a cover story? It's not even a real story. He's he's giving her the yeah. he's giving her the BS and he's asking out for a drink, which it appears she doesn't want to do from a couple of places yeah. in this episode, but does it anyway to get her sources. Again, it seems like a, it seemed like an odd thing for the to be saying about the character of Perry at this point. Mm. I guess if it's an earlier episode, it makes sense only in that she's not been as well established. But it, it is the fact that she doesn't want to do it, and she does it anyway. She's hungry. She doesn't want to cross the police line either, but she does it anyway. Yeah. I mean, that, those could be all consistent with, um, with you know, competitiveness with Kolchak. Um, or, I don't know. Or just, you know, she's a young reporter, and she needs to get her name in the byline when she wakes up in the morning. Yeah. You're going to have to be working at night to get the morning edition, Harry. <laughs> um, I just want to ask, so do you have a feel for whether or not the killer is supernatural or not? Uh, I, my feeling is the killer is supernatural because it's badly written for okay. it to not be. <laughs> I mean, at, at the end, well, when, when they've got a theory of what's happening, Perry suggests to Kolchak that he's disappointed by it, that it's not what he was hoping for because she says it's scientific medical and i'm kind of thinking hmm, what <laughs> yeah. uh, a man exudes chemically exudes a synthetic astringent from his hands that's scientific <laughs> yeah yeah and 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 kolchak is all like well it, you know he must be he must be drinking it because otherwise there'd be puddles of water around and that is that how an astringent works? I'm not sure. I don't think so. I assume that the water is just it's like absorbed. silica gel. It absorbs yeah. it into the into the uh, astringent, uh, however that is. But if the guy is the astringent and the and the goo on his hands is his, for want of a better word, water sucking organ. Um, yes, <laughs> I guess. And, yeah, and he's after the. But to me, that, or, uh, to me, that yeah. makes him, quote, unquote, a mutant, right? So now we're in the kind of X-Files mutant monster category. But here's what gives me pause. How? Sure, he gets in the buildings because he's a security guard and he's got the keys. But how, when he's on the 18th floor or whatever it is, and the guy runs from him, barrels down two flights of stairs, gets on an elevator, takes an elevator immediately down to the fourth floor, how did the killer get from the top floor to the fourth floor and stop the elevator and come in and kill the guy. I don't get that. That's he couldn't it's, have done it. It's just bad writing. Well, it's or is supernatural. <laughs> no, I I I think it's done for the I mean it is bad writing, but it's it's done for the purpose of using that that trope of having someone in an elevator and you know the doors opening and or it's stopping at the wrong floor, you know, getting away in an elevator is, it it, it always leads to mm -hmm. this stuff. Yeah. And uh, I think that was, that was what they wanted to set up. It's, it's as much about the, it's as much about the visual as it is about anything else. It's, it's just like shooting 
you know, shooting the guy's eyes in the rearview mirror, mm-hmm. uh, ha- having him cruise through the red light district or whatever. It's it's all about optics and whether or not it actually makes sense in terms of the story probably isn't important. Mm. Um, <clears throat> any thoughts on the chemist being reluctant to uh, do the analysis initially? I don't. I well, initially, my thought was, is this part of some conspiracy? But we certainly, as you say, there's some ambiguity about it. We we certainly don't get anything that actually gives us anything concrete in that respect. I just was, you know, is it is it caution? Where'd you get the sample? I can't tell you that. And I can't do this <clears throat> kind of thing. Oh, well, we got it off of a crime scene. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's worse than knowing not knowing where it came from. <laughs> Like, people could die. Oh, all right, fine. I mean, and of course, isn't that Kolchak's MO? As we said, Mm. Kolchak Mm. does what he shouldn't do because he's going to stop people from dying. The chemist actually does the same thing in the the story. Um, And I'd like to see that chemist again in later episodes, but I don't think we will because it seems like that would be kind of terribly useful for these people to have a a chemist who's been convinced that weird stuff can be out there Mm. like that. Um, oh, no, I, I, in terms of recurring characters, my top of my list is still Edhead, but oh, yeah. I'm now I'm now feeling comforted by the thought that, you know, since this might actually have been episode two, that could be the explanation of why she's not in it this week. Not that she'll never appear again. So I'm now I'm now pinning my hopes on episode nine. I would be willing to bet that Edhead was a fan favorite. I'm <laughs> Except, of course, you know, <laughs> they cancelled it. <laughs> yeah, first, so during her first up. episode so yes yes um, first, first she appears and they axe the show <laughs> um let's see um I'm, i've got another i've got another kind of it's not it's not quite a, a police procedural thing but it's slightly procedural okay in that there are uh, a, a sequence of killings mm-hmm. inside an office building so different office buildings but yeah well yeah different different office buildings but in e- in each case the people are killed inside and in a way that is basically not at all visible from the street and so all you would see from outside is that police are attending something mm-hmm. and yet when Kolchak arrives he has to push through onlookers and that seemed to me really odd now i don't know if that's unfair I don't know if that would actually normally be the case if it, you know if there were police oh. outside a building in Los Angeles. Wow, you know that's a but, that's an incredibly good point. Um it it does dovetail with mine that I, the last thing I wanted to bring out too. That it does not make any sense at all. If the police showed up at a building, no, particularly in the middle of the night. No, there's but, not going to be a but crowd. But obviously, of there is a, there is a there is a plot reason for this, which is they need those seat, those pictures of the onlookers in order to identify the same security guard in all three. Yeah, it would never happen. It, it's just the first time it happened. I was like, it would have to is, be this an is explosion, really weird explosion yeah, sure. of fire or someone, something like that. They someone would... standing on top of the building threatening to throw themselves off. Couple three or, cops showing up at a at a building and running in to in you know find a dead body. Yeah, or gunshots, or someone actually dead in the street with yeah. police tape around, whatever. And yeah, all the rubberneckers are going to rock up and try to see what's beyond the tape. All that bit I could believe, but just standing out, hanging around, literally waiting mm-hmm. to watch police officers going in and out when you cannot see anything at all in the building no just seemed to me really strange until... They started putting up those photographs, and then the photographs revealed the key that helped them unlock it all. And I thought, ah, it's purely there for the plot. Is this really okay. as badly written as that? Okay. It gets better, then. It gets better badly written. <laughs> more badly written, more badlier, then. Why is the killer killing these people? Uh, magnesium doesn't like sports drink. I mean, and he goes around, I that. And he goes around also picking up women and murdering them and taking their bodies back to his lair and hiding them okay so not Mm -hmm. all of his crimes are out public like in office buildings like this he also has other other stories 
uh, other modus of, modus operandi, if you will. Hey, he's um, a complicated why, mutant. He he is a complicated mutant, except for Kolchak's theory for why he would be out in the pictures is that a serial killer or a criminal likes to vicariously relive the crime. But I don't like to vicariously <laughs> oh God, yeah, relive right. my meals. I mean, apart from Instagramming them, perhaps. But, <laughs> you know, this, this is not a serial killer. This is a, this is a predator. Yes. And that's a different thing altogether. So... That's what finds it, which shouldn't. And the fact that they spend a lot of time going, if we can just figure out why that one guy survived, we'll be able to figure this out. Well, no, that didn't actually solve, that didn't actually help you at all. (laughs) Like Because that went nowhere other than gave Kolchak some kind of magnesium fixation. But, you know, then immediately turned around and Jane goes, look, we got the picture. Kolchak goes, I got the picture, got the guy, here he is. And it, it, it went it went nowhere. So it was, yeah, <laughs> didn't make any sense at all. It should have been a complete dead end. Yeah. And the guy who didn't die, was he conscious? Did he talk to the police? Did he tell them that somebody came at him? Did the police have any clue what was going on here at all? We don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess the police were there at the end. I they think. turned up they remarkably turned up. fast if it was just Perry calling them. Yes. So... Maybe they were on to the guy too? Well, or maybe just, you know, given that the coroner did his ruling within 24 hours and that they only took 12 hours to completely rule out homicide, maybe they're just really fast police in Los Angeles. I think they are. They're, the, they're Los Angeles's finest. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that one was that one bugged me about the episode too. <laughs> this is me. I don't get the guy's motivations. In the end, we never... And we don't catch the guy. And we don't kill the guy either. He well, gets that's, away. That's all right. Well, well that's that's not very trad Kolchak, but yeah, it's more X Filesy. Yes, setting up setting up the sequel. The water vampire will return, and he was such a compelling villain the first time around that. Uh, um, yeah. Anyway, I did appreciate <laughs> I did appreciate Kolchak bluffing him with the fake gun. Uh huh. You know, when the the killer comes in, they're in a darkened room, and when there's no chance, Kolchak and two other people. So the guy is completely out you know, outnumbered, uh, and Kolchak, you know, does the finger thing and adopts the gun stand. Police! Freeze right there! And the guy runs like mad. Like, okay. <laughs> All right. You know, you could be fooled by that. I, I, I honestly believe you could be fooled by that. It, it may seem childish, but at the same time, if you're a bad guy... Well, if you've got nothing else... you got nothing else, you know... I suppose why not? It, it, I appreciated that. Not so much when Kolchak goes after him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, I'm chasing him down now. I know he can kill me with a touch, but I'm on it. I got my fingers. <laughs> call the police. How about just call the police? You know who I want? I want Jane chasing him with a camera. Yeah. <laughs> that would make more sense. Jane, let's go. Come on. Two of us. What can he do? It would be more it would be more old school called Jack. Bring a he stick. certainly would be after after him to take a bad photo of him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got nothing else. Uh, on this episode i just i just wonder what you thought of the um this 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 guy's a felon gambit his name's tony vincenzo oh yes yes um i left it under my recap for a reason uh it's kind of bad kind of really <laughs> bad um uh, <laughs> I, I i would have preferred that scene not to be in there at all and and it, it i i i don't even know what to say about it obviously it should never work anywhere ever the guy rightly starts off with those records are confidential and, you know, they're trying to get him to just prove the guy isn't the guy. But it kind of seems like they got his personnel record in the end. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think we're supposed to think it worked. Yeah. I mean, it worked to some degree. But, you know, what they were what they were asking for when we left them in that scene was not show me their personnel file. It was prove to me this guy isn't Tony Vincenzo. And I suppose if I thought it was a personal They wanted file, his name, though. Yeah, I, maybe his name. I, I, you shouldn't, he shouldn't give it out. But on the other hand, actually, who is employed by your organization is not confidential. Their home address, their birth date, their social security number, their pay grade, sure. But the name is not. He could have easily brought the personnel file out and, you know, covered up all of it except the picture and his name and said, there, not Tony Vincenzo. <laughs> But, you know, we're supposed to see them working as a team, having some wacky fun, and it just didn't fit with the episode at all. 
in my mind. Oh, it did fit with the episode. Oh, I, I don't. I genuinely don't think it fit the tone of the the episode. I didn't. Well, I don't think the humor works in this context. No, I agree. It doesn't work. But then, it it did feel like a lot of this episode was about putting 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 together a a series of uh, vignettes more than trying to make something coherent. Okay, to be fair, it is a little bit more like classic Kolchak with one of his. So back to your original observation. Yeah, 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 yeah. It fits with that as well. It's it's you know it's about as credible as Kolchak trying to sneak past reception hidden behind a plant pot or whatever. I'd have been I'd have been a lot happier though if instead of going to a chemist, they had gone to a gardener to talk about diazinon. Yeah. You know, that would have been, or Landscaper or something. That, that would have been a lot more like original Kolchak. Uh, I need to, need an expert on dogs? Let's go to a security firm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because they got dogs. Uh, need to know about an animal? Let's go talk to a taxidermist. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, so that could have been, that could have fallen under uh, that could have fallen under spot and it's attempting to write an old school Kolchak in the new format. Yep, I yep. think it could be. It does fit. That, that's all I got. That's all I've got. All right. Well, the next episode of the Night Stalker will be the third unaired episode, Timeless. Sounds exciting. Mm. <laughs> Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure as always. Listeners. I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. <laughs>